0: As I read, uh, as I say these next few words, the Lord is my shepherd, you're going to know immediately what we're talking about. That's such a popular psalm, isn't it? The Lord is my shepherd, Psalm 23. You could probably quote it. uh, If you were called upon to do so, you could probably quote that psalm. We think of that psalm as a psalm for funerals. a a psalm that is primarily quoted and utilized at a funeral when someone has passed away. But we take a look at this psalm as we will this morning. We're going to see and be reminded that it's also a psalm for living. It's a psalm for us each and every day. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. In a very popular, well-known psalm, one that brings us uh, much comfort and one that reminds us of quite a few things as well for our life here today. And that's what I'd like to take a look at is a more in-depth look at Psalm 23 this morning. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, there was a, time once when uh, this family who were very good at uh, their Bible studies and uh, getting their children to memorize verses and they had a little four-year-old boy that uh, would uh, it was his time to memorize a verse and uh, they they had him to memorize the first verse of Psalm 23 a little four-year-old boy the Lord is my shepherd I shall not want and he was ready when it came time for the family devotion he was ready And he stood up and quoted the verse, the Lord is my shepherd, and that's all I want. (laughs) Well, that works too, doesn't it? If the Lord is my shepherd, we shall not want, and because the Lord is my shepherd, that's all I want. There is nothing else that I really need except that the Lord is my shepherd. The Lord, and that is the Lord. You know this world is full of a lot of false idols false gods but we know that uh, there is one true and living god right and he is the lord there is not another he is the one that is the creator of all things he is the one that is uh, the, the one who chose us before the foundation of the world he is the one who Uh, sets everything in motion who is august and sovereign and the one who knows all things the one who is everywhere the one who is ever present in our lives he is the Lord and as we think about him as the Lord then we understand also that he is the one who guides and directs and that is why we read the Lord is my shepherd he is the one who guides and directs he is the one who gives me the path to go down. But notice that he is not just a shepherd, but he is my shepherd. And if you notice the language in this psalm, it is a it is very personal psalm, right? It is one that, uh, that comes from us. The Lord is my shepherd, and so I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures, and so on. This is a very personal psalm. The Lord is my shepherd, not just somebody's shepherd, not just a general shepherd. Oh, he is, as the scripture says, he is the good shepherd, no doubt about it. He is the great shepherd. He is the chief shepherd. He is more particularly my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. He is the one who who tells me the direction that I should go in my life. Have you ever been in a situation where you're confused and and you pray to God and he, he gives you that guidance and that direction? And I'm thankful that he has provided for us this direction that he provides in the scriptures. The Lord is my shepherd. He is the one who guides me. And because of that, I shall not want I'm not going to be lacking whatsoever in any way. This reminds me, whenever I read it, I think of the, the uh, letter to the church at Corinth that the Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians. As he was writing to them, and, and to understand really uh, this, uh, the, the, the depth of what Paul was saying here in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, you have to understand that Corinth was located in a very narrow strip of land uh, uh, between what is kind of the main part of greece and this lower peninsula of greece and there's this small narrow strip of land that connects the two corinth was located right there and as such corinth was in a place where there was a whole lot of trade going on ships would come in from the north ships would come in from the south they had ports there that that they would bring in there was a lot of trade there was one highway that went through uh, from the upper portion to the lower portion and it had to go right through Corinth. And, and so people traveling would, all, would have to go through Corinth and no doubt would stay there. There was a, a place where there was a lot of economic activity and a lot of wealth for that time period. And as such as it, uh, as it would be, there was a lot of peer pressure going on. Yes, there was peer pressure even way back then. A desire to, uh, as as we might say today, a, a desire to keep up with the Joneses, right? And um, uh, as as they were in that mindset, the Apostle Paul wrote to them and it said at verse 4, I thank my God always on your behalf for the grace of God which is given you by Jesus Christ. The focus on that grace of God. He says that in everything... Ye are enriched, you are enriched, he says, by everything, by him, in all utterance and in all knowledge, even as the testimony of Christ was confirmed in you, so that ye come behind in no gift. As you wait for the second appearing of Jesus Christ, you're not getting behind at all. Sometimes even in this world, we we think, well... I've got to do stuff to keep up with everybody. I've got to do stuff in order to get stuff, right? And the Apostle Paul reminded the church at Corinth, and it reminds us today that we have the grace of God. And because, you know, that's the same grace, the same grace that Paul talked about, the same grace that Paul experienced on the road to Damascus and all through his life is the same grace that we have with us here today, it's not different. It's not different at all. You know, coming down here, and it's the same way wherever you go, coming down here, you'll see old houses and buildings that were built at, at some point, and they're all dilapidated and falling down, you know, and the, the weeds are growing up over them and such, and that's the way of life, isn't it? That things deteriorate and, and uh, go away, and, and new things come up in its place. But thanks be to God that he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And it is the same grace that we have today that the Apostle Paul wrote to to the church at Corinth about. I enjoy going and seeing uh, old things, old landmarks and and historical things and what have you and and, and such. But I tell you what, this is the best old thing that we've got. And old things have become new again to us, right? Right and it is the grace of god the lord is my shepherd and because he is my shepherd i shall not want i'm not going to come behind in anything i'm not getting behind anybody because i have everything that i need in jesus christ you know back in the 1830s uh the baptist faith split that's why we have today primitive baptist and the missionary baptist and various other things and they they split, and at that time we became known as uh, uh, the Primitive Baptists. Some of us some called us the Old School Baptists, and uh, most everybody called us hard shells. Now that may be a term that some of the younger's may may not have heard of hard shells, and uh, basically they used it as a derogatory term, you know, meaning that we were hard headed. You know that uh, nothing's going to get in. We're hard shells. Well, let me tell you. I am definitely a hard shall. And here's a shall right here that I'm hard on. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. And I believe in those shalls, just like when the angel came and told Joseph to not be afraid to take Mary as his wife. And he he said, uh, this this child that's going to be born is is the one whom God had promised all along. And, And he said, he shall save his people from their sins. I believe in those shalls. I'm, I'm okay being a hard shall. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He goes on to say, He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He maketh me to do that. You know, I uh, over in San Antonio, where we live for 20-something years, and uh, it, it's kind of hard to grow things over in San Antonio. It's a bit... Bit of a desert uh, kind of area. It's uh, it's dry and such, and it's hard to grow things. We move over here to Alabama now, and you know we've got uh, our yard over there, and, and I'm able to grow things. I don't know what they are. You know, I mean every, anything will grow over there. And it's it's easy to and and unless you and. and i remember going to uh, uh ireland uh, a few years back and, and seeing all the greenery there and how lush it was and boy i just thought man this is beautiful i could just go lay down in that pasture that i saw there that where, where the sheep were i could just go lay down in that pasture and enjoy it and you know god provides us with a, a pretty good pasture in our life spiritually speaking a really good pasture in fact he provides us with the perfect past, spiritual pasture in our life. But sometimes we do get hard-headed, don't we? We are kind of hard-shelled uh, at times, and we, we, we choose to go our own way and to, to go in the more difficult direction. And sometimes God says, I'm going to bring you back, and I'm going to lay you down in this green pasture because I want you to remember... The blessings that you have here in your life even though you go off and you do whatever you're going to do in your life and and you get away from me he says i'm going to bring you back and i'm going to lay you down in these green pastures so that you'll know the blessings he maketh me to lie down in green pastures and i i am reminded that the gifts and calling of God are without repentance. You know that scripture. The gifts and calling of God are without repentance. We, we sometimes, maybe Brother David has here in times past where you preached on tulip. You know the old tulip, right? And, and uh, you begin with that total depravity and, and then you get to that irresistible grace. And that's kind of what we've got going on right here. That God has called us irresistibly. I have a cell phone, I'm sure probably each of you do as well. And I don't know about you, but it seems like I get more calls from people I don't want to talk to than what I do want to talk to. Are you all in that camp as well? Yes. And uh, and I see something come up and I say, I know that's not anybody I know, right? And so what do I do? I just hit the stop button or whatever and it goes away, you know? and. Uh, and, and such and, and I get those calls all the time, all the time. And then there's a few times I get calls from people that I do want to talk to. And, uh, and that's enjoyable. Well, let me tell you that the one call that I'm glad that I got was actually a call that I, by my nature, would have hit stop on, right? Because God would have called me up like you know on a cell phone, and I would have said, I don't know any God by my nature. I don't know any God. And I would have said, well, that's a, a scam call. And I'm going to hit stop and send them on their way. And I am so glad that God, in his sovereignty, didn't let me do that. That he, he not only called me, but he made me answer the call. That's the irresistible call. That's the irresistible grace of God. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. In times when when I would have chosen the desert, just like Moses did in his day. You remember that? When I I would have chosen the desert, God causes me to come back and to to lay down in this green pasture and to be reminded of the, the lush blessings that God has given unto us. He leadeth me beside the still water. I have to say I'm not much of an adventurist, And so uh, when it comes to doing things that uh, seem to be a little bit dangerous, oh, I don't know, like uh, jumping out of a perfectly good airplane, even though you've got a parachute on, or, or uh, jumping off of a, of a cliff, uh, even though you've got the bungee tied to your feet, you know, that kind of thing, just uh, I don't think I can do that. I mean, I, I'm one of those guys that has a hard time getting up on a ladder and an even harder time getting down. And, and so I'm not very adventurous. Well, I'm, I'm not one to go whitewater white rafting, right? I mean, uh, there's people that'll do that, and they'll go down those rapids, and, and I'm, I'm glad that they, if they enjoy themselves and such, but it's just not for me. I prefer the still waters. I prefer the gentle waters. And I'm thankful that the Lord leads me beside the still waters, those waters that are where it's easy and, and not dangerous to get a drink from them, right? Where you can you can lap up the water there and not be afraid that it's going to carry you downstream somewhere else. Those still waters, those peaceful waters, reminds us of the rest which God leads us into. That rest, you remember that God created in uh, in six days, created uh, all of creation, and uh, and on the seventh day He rested. And the New Testament encourages us today, and He says. I look forward to entering into your rest brother Joel just this morning said three score year and ten is plenty enough right uh, we're looking forward I haven't reached three score ten and yet but even still I'm looking forward to entering into that permanent rest which God has in store for us and you know it, it, it could come too quick for me I mean I'd, I'd be just fine to not finish this sermon and let the Lord come on right now because when we get to heaven, we'll understand what I'm trying to speak about this morning perfectly, and even I mean it—it'd it, be great. And I—I I am ready. I'm ready uh, for that rest. And as he, we get tied up in things from time to time. Our life gets all tied up in knots, and and gets all matted up and such, and and. We're glad when we can enter into that rest and and rest from the struggles of this world from time to time. And hopefully coming here on Sunday mornings helps you to do that, to to be reminded of that rest. And and you can think about uh, uh, that rest uh, that you had last Sunday. Now, Brother Adam mentioned to me this morning he said I remember the sermon you preached when you were here we couldn't remember when it was but uh, he remembered what it was and uh, and I know what he's talking about that uh, part of that is is that you know we uh, we just look forward uh, to to what God has provided and and I think uh, brother Adam if I'm not mistaken part of that sermon I would have said something to the extent of uh, you know what you're expecting what what you're looking forward to And uh, most people look forward to Friday, right? TGIF. People always say TGIF. Well, we we hard shells. For us, it's TGIS, and the S is for Sunday, right? Thank goodness. In fact, we thank God that it is Sunday. We thank God for this time when we can come and, and put our lives at rest, even just for a short period of time. He leads me beside the still waters. He goes on to say, He restoreth my soul. He restoreth my soul. And I, whenever I read about restoring something, I think think about these people who uh, will restore an old automobile. You know, they'll go out and they'll get this automobile, this old automobile, and, and they'll restore it to mint condition, to the way that it was originally, right? Now, of course, they're not always restoring the original parts. Sometimes they have to put in different parts. <clears throat> it's a bit like um, that, that reminding you, know, sometimes things come to my mind when I'm preaching. And it makes Lori nervous, because I tend to say them when they come to my mind. And, uh, but it, it's like this, uh, this time when uh, this guy went to visit a museum there in Washington, DC. And, and there was that hatchet that George Washington used to chop down that cherry tree, right? And they ask uh, the curator, is, is that really the same hatchet? Oh, yes, that's the same hatchet. It's had three different heads and four different handles, but it's the same hatchet. <laughs> well, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's not exactly how it works, right? God restores, he says, he restoreth my soul. You know, when we were created in the mind and purpose of God, that is, we were created in Adam. And we know that Adam is, uh, is our representative head in the creation. When we were created in Adam, and God knew at that time, even before that time, God knew that you would exist. God knew you even, even before then. And, and, and so uh, uh, but when we were in Adam, and Adam and Eve, they sinned there in the Garden of Eden, and as a result... They fell away from their relationship with God. Things changed, didn't they? In fact, God came in and said, because of your actions, there's a curse on the ground. There's a curse on you. A curse. This curse of sin comes in. You know, they thought they were making a, a, a bargain of a deal with Satan. Well, Satan had, had convinced them said, you're going to know both good and evil. You're going to be like God if you eat of this fruit well it didn't work out that way you see uh satan the way satan works is he'll promise you a dream and deliver you a nightmare right and and so so it is uh, and and as such we fell away in adam as our representative head that Going back to tulip, that's the T and tulip, total depravity. That is, we had no relationship with God after that. We were uh, uh, we were totally away from him. I, I like to think of it. In fact, uh, I never had a generator till I moved to this house in Alabama. It came with a generator. I'm so thankful that it did. And uh, uh, it, it made me think about that word gener- generate or generation or something. You know, God in the beginning, you know, generate to to make something come to be and, and in the beginning god generated us right and uh and so he created us we, we we were the you know he he created the first generation he generated us and then because of sin we all became a bunch of degenerates we were degenerated from that point right And so now what happens is, is that we come along and God says, I've chosen you from before the foundation of the world, and and you're going to receive my spirit, and what do we call that? When we receive the Holy Spirit of God, we call it regeneration. We have been regenerated. We have been restored to the original, but not just to look like the original, but to be the original, that is. As Romans chapter 8 tells us, that, uh, that we are, he is causing us to be conformed, to, to be recreated in, the, in his own image. Just like he created us in his own image in the beginning, he is causing us to become recreated in his own image once again. He restoreth my soul, right? He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me. And here's the second time he's leading us. He's led us beside the still waters. And now he leadeth me as he has restored my soul, as he, has, as he has restored our relationship. Now he is leading me in paths of righteousness. You know, as, uh, there are times when I think that I know the right way to go and it ends up it's not the right way to go. Y'all ever experience that? you know i don't know what my batting average is but it's probably pretty low probably not enough to make the major leagues right but god leads me in paths of righteousness he shows me the right way to go you know these paths of righteousness they they are paths of righteousness because of jesus christ When I grew up in Mississippi, I don't know if you all know that, I grew up in Mississippi. I was born and raised in Mississippi, Uh, grew up over in Carthage, uh, right in the middle of the state, and my dad would take me duck hunting. Now back then, uh, the way you did the duck hunting is you would put on your waders and you'd go stand out in the water in the middle of winter, right, that ice cold water in the middle of winter. you know today they do it the the easy way right they got these blinds and you you go sit in these blinds on an easy chair and you know they cook meals for you and you watch the game while you're waiting on the ducks to, to come in so but you know uh, that wasn't that way we we went out into the ice cold water and this place we went was a flooded uh, a field uh, a flooded bean field uh, and Uh, Dad would lead us out there, would lead me out there, and and my brother when he would go. uh, But you had to walk this certain pathway because that's where the the rise was. And if you you went to the left or to the right, you'd find that your waders would fill up with water pretty quick because you'd step off of that little rise that you're supposed to stay on. Well, I never saw it when it wasn't flooded dad went out and he scoped it out and he knew exactly where to go right he knew exactly where to step and so i would follow him along he was leading me in the right path going duck hunting right well i am very glad that we've got a god that knows the paths of this world right he he understands all the pathways of this world sweetly lord have we heard the calling come follow me Right? Come follow me. And we want to go into the footsteps of Jesus. Wherever they go, that's the footsteps that we want to follow. He leads us in these paths of righteousness. There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. That's what wise Solomon tells us on multiple occasions, actually. There's a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. We get to thinking, I know the direction to go. I know uh, which, which way I should, should go in my life. Well, are the footsteps of Jesus there? Are you, being a, are you able to see the footsteps of Jesus? Because that's what's important. Because our righteousness in fact, all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, is what the Bible says, right? There's filthy rags. And there is, as, as we're told in Romans chapter 3, there is one righteous, there is none righteous, no, not one, right? Now, sometimes we get to thinking there's one righteous, and that's me. You know, everybody else is wrong, and I'm right, and that's, that's our pride that gets us sometimes, but really. We understand that as far as humanity goes, there is none righteous. And the only one who is righteous is the one who is God, who is the Lord, our shepherd. That's the only righteous When He leads us in these paths of righteousness, and he leads us in these paths of righteousness for his namesake, for his namesake sometimes I, I think that I, I fail to really grasp the, this understanding of, of the glory of God and, and glorifying God. You know, in, in humans, and in we, we, we humans, if we're glorifying ourselves, then it's arrogance, right? It's pride. Now, we know it's not that way with God. God, of course, cannot sin, but to glorify God Glorify God is the be-all and end-all. That is why we exist, is to glorify God. Ephesians chapter 1 tells us that he, he, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. And why did he choose us? He chose us according to his own good pleasure. And, and, and what does Jesus himself say? That we should do good works that others, seeing those good works, would glorify our Father which is in heaven. There's another verse that says, uh, whatever we do, do all to the glory of God. We want to glorify God. I mean, He is the creator of all things. He is the sovereign of everything. We want to, we, we understand that we are a reflection. Here on this earth, we are a reflection of God. We are. We are created in His image. Just like you You hold uh, a mirror up to your face, you know, and and you see that, that image in the mirror. We are His image. We are, to everyone else here in this world, we are the representative of God. Have you ever heard that thing about, you know, your life may be the only sermon some people ever hear? And that's very true. They may not attend worship, formal worship service, and hear a sermon priests and such your life may be the only sermon that they ever hear and as such our life should be one that glorifies God we do it for his name's sake we go in these paths of righteousness for his name's sake so that others will understand the goodness of God now I know this world likes to think and, and portray God as someone who is oppressive you know if uh, they, they, they nowadays they don't they portray that he doesn't even exist. There is no God, right? And the fool has said in his heart, "There is no God." We understand that, but uh, you know they they like to talk about how that uh, uh, religion is is oppressive and such. Well, the th- the problem with this world is, is that they're upside down. They're upside down, and what appears to them as oppressive if you turn it right side up is really elevating and that's what god does for us he elevates us right and this world because they're upside down they think of it as being oppressed but really god is lifting us up yea though i walk through the valley of the shadow of death i will fear no evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me oh, this is a wonderful verse for our lives today. I don't know about you, but I have definitely in my life several times been through the valleys. It's not always been a mountaintop experience for me. In fact, it's it's not even always been a halfway up the mountain experience for me, right? We get down into the valleys, and, and we get pretty low. And You know, that reminds me of an old saying that you know, lower than a snake's belly in a rut, right? I mean, we get pretty low sometimes. And we get down in these valleys, and we, and in these valleys, well, these things keep coming to my mind, but I think they're pretty good examples. But there was a point in time when my parents left Mississippi and moved to New Mexico. They moved to Ruidoso, New Mexico. You know, Paul talked about a culture shock. Now, I'm glad they did because, you know, if I didn't get anything else out of New Mexico, I got a wife. And so, uh, and and that's, I'm thankful for that. Uh, but they lived in Ruedosa, kind of was in this valley a little bit. I mean, it was kind of a valley on on a mountain, if you will, but, uh, it, it had, you know, parts of the mountain that were over. And, and mom said that, uh, you could see the sun from 10 to 4. And, and so they, you know, the rest of the time you were in the shadows. Sometimes we get down in those valleys and there's shadows down there, right? And we get thinking, oh God, where are you? The, the, the psalm says, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, but let me tell you, I want to get back on the mountaintop. So, and God says, well, the way to the mountaintop is through the valley sometimes. You know, I'm, I'm ready to get back to those green pastures and that still water. You know, I'm, I'm ready to do that. And, and God leads us through this, even though, well, I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death. You know, this doesn't say, yea, though he leads me through the valley of the shadow of death. Now, sometimes the paths of righteousness, God leads us through the, what does our song say? some through the water, some through the flood, some through the fire, right? At burning off that dross, getting rid of the, uh, the, the bad stuff that cakes up on our life, like barnacles on a ship, right? And he gets rid of those things sometimes. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And sometimes that, that shadow is there upon us. But let me, let me remind you of this. It's impossible to have a valley unless you have mountains so even though you're in the valley you at least know that there are mountains around you and one of these days you're going to get back go back up on top of that mountain and that should encourage us right there can't be a valley unless there's mountains and you know what there can't be a shadow unless there's a source of light somewhere right I mean, I can look down here right now. and See shadows of these pews because of the lights that are coming down. You know, you, you get out here in, in the middle of the night and turn these lights off, such so you're not going to see shadows because there's no source of light. The only way to have a shadow is to have a, is that there's a light source. So if if you're if you're dealing with the shadow of death, remember that the only way that shadow of death exists is because there is the light of life that is shining up there somewhere. And who is that light? Jesus said that he is the light. He is the light of the world, right? And he is our life as well, and the way, the truth, and the life. He is that light source. So if you're seeing shadows, just remember, hey, I can rejoice that there's a shadow there because that means the light is still shining. It's still shining. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, you know, death is very simply stated: is being separated from life. That's what death is. Now, we we have uh, you know funerals, and we say that such and such has died. Well, in as we know, everybody has an eternal existence. Now, I, I don't know if this. One time, I thought I thought this, and just kind of blew my mind. Yeah, that's right everybody has an eternal existence. Nobody stops existing. We believe, it's probably on your articles of faith over here, we believe in the resurrection of the just and the unjust. Everybody is going to be resurrected, right? And we know after that there's a division that occurs, but everybody is resurrected. Everybody has an eternal existence. So what, what, what really is death? Death is being separated from life, and if life is God, which it is, there's no life outside of God, then what death really means is being separated from God. Now, uh, I've just slipped in a math uh, uh, math uh, formula on you. You remember in school, if A equals B and B equals C, then A must equal C? Well if God is life and death is being separated from life then death means being separated from God that's what the eternal existence of those who uh, are not God's elect are going to experience is a, an eternal separation from God and that's what death is all about the shadow of death but you know for God's people death has no power has no power whatsoever what did Paul write to the church at Corinth he he was saying to them we've heard this quoted at funerals uh, time and time again as well that 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 uh, grave that that death has no more sting and grave has no more victory right oh death where is thy sting oh grave where is thy victory it's wrapped up it's done away with in the victory of that Jesus Christ is given unto us. I, my, you know, I, I thank God that, that I have the victory through Jesus Christ. Right? And so, even though I'm in the shadow of death, I know that death has no power over me. I know that, that I can rise up out of this valley and, and get up on the mountaintop, and, and, and from that mountaintop, I can see the source of light once again. And I can understand I live it says but when I'm there I'm not going to fear any evil for thou art with me thy rod and thy staff they comfort me just like those two brethren who held up the arms of Moses in order for the Israelites to to gain the victory over the enemies and Moses's arms would get tired and he you know they'd go down and and when they when that happened the enemy would prevail and Moses's helpers—they would hold his arms up so that he had, so that the Israelites gained the victory. While well, his rod and his staff, on each side of us, they comfort us. And listen to this: Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. In the presence of mine enemies. And I, whenever I think of this, I, I, I think of it from a military standpoint. You know, you've got the enemy out there, and, and I, I've never served in the military, never uh, had the experience of going to battle and such. I've only read about it or seen the on TV, as it were, you know. And, and, and the enemy could just be right over there, but just a, a, a few yards away. And, and they're ready to pounce. They're ready to come and, and, to, and to attack. And when that situation is like that, what battlefield leader, what general or major or whoever, is going to say, "Well, I know the enemy is just right over there, and they're ready to attack. But let's get out the tables and the tablecloths and let's have our, uh, a good spread here, a good feast here. you know, uh, that's, as, as my grandfather would say, that just doesn't make good nonsense, mm-hmm. right? Nobody's going to do that. And yet, thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. How is it that that can occur? Well, it's because God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Do you remember when the uh, the prophet Elijah was, uh, they, they sought to kill him, right? And, I mean, they were wanting to get rid of him. So they sent this army after him. And he was up on this hilltop. And, and they, the army had him surrounded. There was no way to get off of that hill without either uh, going through them or God taking him away. And you remember his helper, uh, his, his assistant, uh, went to him and said, oh, now we're done for. Now, this isn't exactly the King James wording, but it, it, it's, it's the same. And, and he said, we're done for. He says, there's no way out. There's no way to escape. They got us surrounded. I just said I'm not worried about it how can you not be worried about it well I, I'm not oh but we're done for and, and Elijah prayed and said Lord show him what you've shown me and the servant was, was shown how that the army of God was encircling them in between them and the enemy and there was no way that that army was going to get past the army of God you know that's 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 us. God God can prepare a feast for us, even in the presence of our enemies. God can prepare that feast for us because God is sovereign and he has his angel armies out there protecting us. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. And we get to feast on that, uh, on what he's placed there on that table. We get to feast on it. And we can feast safely there. Now, I've told you, I'm not uh, uh, an adventurous person. There, there are places where they go, you can go and eat a meal, and they, they hook you into this chair, and, and several around it, you know, they hook you in. And with this boomerang arm thing, they, they put you out over so that your feet are dangling, why you see, you know that's the, the one of the latest thrill things that they, they do. Well, I'm I'm glad it thrills somebody, but I don't think I'd be able to eat. I'd be afraid that those bolts were not going to hold me up there, and I was just going to fall off, right? I wouldn't be. But with God, even in the presence of mine enemies, I can be comfortable. And I can feast on what God provides, even in that situation, because he is sovereign. He is sovereign. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of mine enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. As we uh, think about the anointing of oil and what God has uh, uh, done for us, we we compare that with the anointing of, of Aaron as the high priest. Now, uh, remembering back to when uh, uh, Moses was delivering the Israelites out of the land of Egypt, and, and God said, okay, Aaron's going to be the high priest. He is the anointed one. And they anointed his head with oil. Psalm 133 talks about that. And we have a, a hymn in most of our hymn books, have a hymn that ta- that references Psalm 133. talks about how the oil uh, on his precious head went down all the way to the hem of his garment, you know, all the way, all the way. Jesus Christ is known as the anointed one. He is the anointed, right? He is the one who is chosen by God. And that anointing goes all the way. And the anointing of the oil was something that, that a host would do for a, a special guest. Now, remember when uh, the woman uh, broke out the uh, the uh, alabaster oil and and went and put it on the feet of Jesus. Right, putting it on his feet. That was unusual. The, the anointings usually went on the head and, and and would would come down and and that would show uh, that. But uh, at any rate, and that's a whole another sermon, by the way. We'll leave that for Brother David. But uh, but the anointing of the oil showed that you were somebody who who was special, somebody who was. Uh, an honored guest and here it is saying that God is anointing us with oil in other words God is saying that we are an honored guest as it were we are someone whom he wants to honor as we come into his house now thankfully uh, as we come into his house and I'm, I'm thinking about this from an eternal standpoint Um, Jesus said "I, I go to prepare a place for you and if I go and prepare a place for you I'm going to come back and get you and take you to that place right and there you will ever be with the Lord so he has anointed us he's anointed us with the Holy Spirit and this anointing of the Holy Spirit has gone it's from the top of our head to the sole of our feet it goes all the way down there's not one portion of us that is not anointed with the Holy Spirit of God and this tells us, once again, that God's anointing and God's uh, salvation is sovereign within himself. There's nothing for us to do. We, don't, we can't even look down and say, you know, that oil didn't get on my little toe. I better anoint my little toe with oil so that I finish the job. Now, the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God covers us all the way. All the way, right? He anoints our head with oil to the point, he says, that my cup runneth over. My cup runneth over. I mean the blessings are so much, so vast, so grand, so so numerous that my cup is running over. We have that song, Count Your Many Blessings. Name them one by one, right? And, and we can start that counting, but we can never finish it. Because there are blessings we don't even know about. There are blessings that we just haven't even thought about. That that's a blessing from God. Our cup runneth over with the blessings of God. Have you seen how how this is a not just a psalm for funerals, but a psalm for your everyday life? Isn't it? I mean, this is a psalm that we can rejoice in each and every day, and, and, and what God has done for us. I mean, He He's our shepherd. We're we're not lacking anything. He He has provided blessings for us. He has provided sustenance for us. He has He has restored us into a relationship with Him, such that there is nothing uh, that needs to be done. Tying that into the oil, the anointing of oil, the anointing of the Holy Spirit of God, all throughout us, And, and He leads us and guides us. And sometimes we find ourselves in the valley of the shadow of death. But even then, we don't have to be afraid. Because he has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He has given us that spirit whereby we cry, Abba, Father, he's given us that Holy Spirit whereby we understand and know that that we have this connection, this relationship with him, right? And so we don't have to be concerned about the evil. And he shows us that he is sovereign by preparing for us by allowing us to feast on those spiritual blessings every day, all the time. He says, you're special to me. I've anointed you. You're special to me. You're not just somebody. You are somebody. Right? And as such, we say, boy, the blessings of God how exceeding, how amazing, how great the blessings of God are. And so that leads us to understand and to be able to, to really fully comprehend this last verse. Surely, because the Lord is my shepherd, because uh, I am not lacking anything because of all the blessings he's given us. He he makes us lie down in green pastures and he leads us beside the still waters and and he's protecting us as we go through the valley of the shadow of death. He's restored us. He's anointed us because of all of these blessings. Surely, surely, he says, goodness and mercy are your heart shall Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life." God's, you know, there have been plenty of times in my life where I've started a project and never finished it. I've started something, you know, and and I get to figuring out I I don't know what I'm doing and it gets frustrating and I just say, forget that, you know, uh, maybe they'll sell it at Walmart. And, and 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 I just do that I am so thankful that God knows how to do everything that God doesn't start a project and not finish it in fact the scriptures say he that hath begun a good work in you he's going to complete it he's going to finish it he's going to see it through all the way to the end and I'm glad that God's not like me I hope that I can through my life be a little bit more like Him. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me. Mary had a little lamb. Right? Its fleece was white as snow. And everywhere that Mary went the lamb was sure to go. That's the way God has a whole lot of little lambs. Right? And because Because we've been washed in the regeneration of Him and His blood and His Holy Spirit, because we've been washed by Him, our fleece is white as snow. Now, everywhere that Mary goes, the Lamb was sure to go, and everywhere that our leader, Jesus Christ, goes, we we go, right? But tagging right along with us, is the goodness of God and the mercy of God. Oh, God is good all the time. God is good all the time, right? There is not any time when He's not good. He's not like that other uh, little saying that w- was years ago, you know, re- remembering from my childhood again, uh, there was a little girl who had a little curl right in the middle of her forehead, When she was good, she was very, very good. But when she was bad, she was horrid. Right? I'm glad that God is very, very good all the time. Right? Surely His goodness and His mercy. And in those times when we're not good, His mercy is there. His mercy endureth forever. There's another psalm which in every verse ends that way his mercy endureth forever his mercy endureth forever the compassions of god fail not surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life even if that life is well whether it's whether it's 3 score year and 10 or or you end it that's ended before then or, or if it lasts after that every day of your life goodness and mercy are following after you and we have this to look forward to and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever forever you know there's an old saying that uh, uh, that visitors are like fish after three days they begin to smell Well, I'm glad that uh, God doesn't really consider us a visitor to His house. In fact, we are His children. We are His family. He's gone to prepare that place for us. It's prepared for you. I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There's an inheritance, Peter tells us. There's an inheritance that we are looking forward to. An inheritance that that is undefiled, an inheritance that is uh, that that doesn't fade away. An inheritance that's reserved for you. That inheritance in heaven, and we look forward to that time. But you know? As you think about this psalm, we've heard it read many, many times. There was a story about this uh, this guy from a small town who'd gone on to to uh, Hollywood. Uh, now, his name's not Brother David. I don't think he's going to become the star. Maybe I'm wrong, but at any rate, there's a guy from a small town, and he went to Hollywood, made him, made a star, great actor, you know. Uh, there was a role that he had uh, where he was playing a preacher, and at a, at a funeral he quoted the 23rd Psalm and, and did it with quite the flourish, you know, I mean, just really... Did it up and 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 as an, as actors do, you know, just really put himself into it. When he came home to that small town. They had a reception for him. Happened to have it at the uh, church fellowship hall. And the uh, as they were all gathered around there, they they encouraged me. Want you to to give us the twenty third psalm like you did in that movie. You know, give us that twenty third psalm. So the actor stood up and. With great bravado, you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want, and, and on through the psalm, and uh, after he got through with, uh, with his uh, presentation of it, you know, people just clapped and, and such. He said, "Look at the preacher, and said, uh, they, they looked at the preacher and said, him, brother such and such, I, I, we know you know the 23rd Psalm, why don't you recite it for us? The old preacher stood up there, and he recited the 23rd Psalm afterwards there was no applause for him but there was also no dry eye even the actor wept and he said you know the difference between what I do and what he does he said I know the 23rd Psalm but he knows the shepherd So our question is not how well do we know the 23rd Psalm? I'm sure you could quote it. But how well do we know the shepherd? That's the most important. How well do we know the shepherd? Well, I hope this has been a blessing to you this morning to remind you that the 23rd Psalm isn't for dying. It's for living. It's for having that relationship with God, the one who is life. We thank you for listening to today's message and invite you to visit Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church for worship services every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. Macedonia is located at 11 Staten Road on Highway 15, five miles north of Ackerman, Mississippi. For further information about Macedonia Primitive Baptist Church, you may visit our website at macedonia-pbc.org.